Hello everyone, thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us uh, this evening. Um, I'm Tom Stocks, um, I'm the Creative Talent Programme Manager, um, so I set up these uh, Q&As that we're doing uh, obviously on a monthly basis. Um, this week is obviously our Heritage webinar, so thank you for joining us. Um, just a little bit about the programme, um, we've been running um, the Creative Talent Programme um, for a few years now, and also it's not just uh, the webinars that we do, we are also supporting um, emerging artists, we support them through our companies, um, three chosen companies as well this year, um, and also, you know, doing the webinars like this as well, these are happening um, on a monthly basis. Um, so our next one will be on the uh, 22nd of March um, as well. So please join us for that. These are all free and um, you can catch up later on as well. Um, and it's just good to sort of have these sort of little chats in these in this weird world that we're living in. And we're all sort of living on Zoom. Um, so we have, are joined by our wonderful panellists today and our chair, Catherine Woodvine, who will be uh, sort of your host this evening. Um, so without further ado, Catherine, I'll hand over to you um, and I'll see you all at the end for, for some new de details as well. So thank you very much and enjoy the webinar tonight. That's brilliant. Thanks so much, Tom. I'm really, really um, pleased to be invited to um, facilitate this um, Creative Youth webinar on arts and heritage. And tonight I'm pleased to introduce representatives from Creative Youth and Kingston Heritage Service. We're going to hear their thoughts on how um, arts and heritage can work together to bring history and stories to life. Um, we're also going to touch on some of the projects that people have been involved with or are working on. And we're going to little, learn a little bit more about their approach and what they think are the benefits or challenges of working in this way. So um, tonight's discussion is going to be shaped as a series of questions which we'll try to answer for you. Um, and the questions are how arts and heritage helps us to explore or shape our cultural identity the benefits of arts and heritage collaborations in bringing different stories to life, how this approach can be incorporated into the work we are doing or would like to do, and any examples of when this has worked well. And um, when we think about any examples, it's not just in our own work, it's also, uh, it could be sort of like work of organisations or artists, perhaps that we admire, just to sort of like open that out to get people to sort of think about that. So I'm really pleased to introduce tonight on the panel, we have uh, Vincente Canas and Graham Baker from the Kingston Heritage Services Youth Board. <laughs> Give them a wave. <laughs> and we have um, Robin Moran and Robin is the development officer with the Kingston Heritage Service. And we have Ruth Odewale and Ruth is on Creative Youth's Young People's Board. And we have Molly Freeman. And just to say that Molly was one of the first artists to benefit from Creative Youth's Emerging Talent Programme, which is just a great programme that supports um, young emerging artists. And Molly now runs um, Smoking Apples Puppetry Company. So I thought to begin with, we'd just um, kick off with a little bit of background um, from each of you. And just to tell us a little bit about why, what arts and heritage means to you, but also um, why you've chosen to work with Creative Youth or the, or the Heritage Service. Um, and do feel free tonight to sort of chip in, although we are sort of following this question format, I do want you to feel that you can sort of respond to each other as well. So um, I thought, if you don't mind, we go to you first, Ruth, if that's okay. Just tell us a little bit about why you um, joined the Creative Youth um, Young, Young People's Board. Um, for me, it was 
I get a lot of opportunities through the things that I do. Um, being part of dance school, being part of my performing arts school. Um, but I saw a gap between me and a lot of other people. Being part of the BFI, it made me realize that um, I get a lot of opportunities that other people that are interested in the creative industry don't get. And um, joining the creative youth, I wanted to work alongside Tom to really help young people get that experience and get that creative opportunities that um, I get as well. Um, so it's just about putting those into formation. And also, I really want to get into film and seeing the representation on film. I don't really see myself being represented. So I think that's how Heritage and Creative Youth really work together. That's really brilliant. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth. And really um, interesting to hear um, that sort of personal motivation for you for you getting involved. Um, Graham, could we come to you now, if that's OK? Oh, can you hear me now? There you go, sorry. Uh, fun technology. Uh, hiya, Graham Bacon, nice to meet you. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I started this uh, generally due to an interest in history myself, um, particularly military history. Expanded on that into looking at the local heritage and the links to the past in my local area. So uh, due to that, joined the local Kingston's Youth Board. And through that way, so we've been able to gain a bit more knowledge, understanding, and also be able to influence certain projects going on through the museum and through the historical importance of the general area. And um, since then, we always, quite a lot of us have an interest in either the, the research or the technology behind doing these sort of activities. And it's basically increased the knowledge of, of of the uh, well, sort of the history industry in regards to the museum and the area, as well as getting the experience of you know, managing and talking and educating the, lo the locals about uh, history and where it stands within British culture and heritage. And I, th I think there are sort of lots of um, you also sort of like benefit, don't you, from that um, collaboration, but also, you know, sort of in terms of in terms of the, the skills that you pick up from the from the people that you're oh, working with. Yes. So that's that's great. Um, Vincente, are you happy to um, sort of introduce yourself? Is that OK? Hello, my name is Vincente Canis. I am a new Kingston Heritage Apprentice, having joined Kingston Heritage Service in January. I am also part of Kinton Museum Young Persons Collective, a group of young people working on heritage-related projects in Kingston. It encompasses both history and geography, two of my interests. That's great. Thank you, Vincente. I'm going to come to um, Molly now. Now, I know, Molly, that you're not on the Young Creatives panel, but um, you've really been working with creative youth from the very start, but also because of your um, uh, your background in, in puppetry, I guess you've worked on projects that are really, really have sort of like history and arts at their core, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. Well, um, yeah, I've, I've can probably wear two hats in this conversation, which will be fun for me to try and remember which one. Because um, I've both worked in the past as a as a sort of creative project manager for creative youth on heritage and arts projects, but also as um, as an artist as well. Um, I've worked on 
heritage projects where I've been in the creative uh, seat fully, as it were. And um, I think, yeah, what Graham said is really interesting, you know, um, about the kind of bringing together like communities and heritage and culture. And I think art and culture is a really interesting way for people to absorb heritage in the kind of new ways. Um, and I think that is for me, like what I think is most exciting about kind of bringing those things together um, and bringing those people together. Yeah. Thanks, Molly. So, um, Robin, you can really give us the um, her heritage perspective and expertise, can't you, <laughs> as you work in the heritage service? Yeah, so I, I work uh, at Kingston Heritage Service. Uh, so we manage both Kingston Museum and Kingston History Centre, which might be how some people slightly better know us as. Um, so my reason for getting involved with them is I've always been interested in history. I don't think I necessarily knew it um, until uh, much more recently, but I've always loved going to museums and galleries. And like, that's my number one thing to do. If I'm going on holiday, it's always revolved around going to visit places like that. Um, so a job where I got to kind of be a part of shaping that and um, shaping how people interact with it, that's something that really, really appealed to me. Um, and kind of in terms of with the discussion around arts and heritage I've always thought of them as kind of ubiquitous that like they they both blend into each other so much um, that I think of it more as a spectrum and although the heritage and the history can often provide you a narrative around something I think that the art really helps you um, tell that narrative and helps to frame it or uh, or present it in a way that isn't just uh, text and reading from a book and things so that's kind of where my perspective comes from in this I think. I'm, I'm so glad to hear you um, sort of talking that way because I think to me I don't see that um, that divide between arts and heritage you know they're sort of they're, they're so close and how, how you might work with collections or museums or you know work with a community is um, you know, there's no separation there. It, it just becomes sort of like part of a seamless whole and working with the arts just enables you to sort of tell stories in a, in a different way or to interpret in a different way. So um, I just want to come to this um, sort of idea about um, sort of cultural identity because what shaped this discussion tonight actually was um, the heritage and creative youth, uh, sort of young people talking together and sort of thinking about how, um, um, how heritage and the arts come together and what that says, how, it, how it's used to um, shape what we say about our sort of cultural identity uh, and sort of like make sense of our place in, our place in the world. So um, I think I'd like to come to um, perhaps Graham on that and, you know, what your perspective is on, um, you know, cultural identity and why it's important and how arts and heritage work together. Oh, well, thank you for that. Um, uh, it's a good it's a good question um, I mean I can say loads about this I mean um, again we because uh, uh, not just not just um, us I mean like so, all over the world many countries will have this uh, will have this question asking them where art and heritage starts and stops um, uh, I can get I can raise a sort of controversial issue here um, so please please stop me if I'm if I overdue but uh, for example uh, uh, we see in the news last last year and still ongoing of how statues, for example, uh, 
it, they're done by an artist or done a memorandum or even if it's just basically a memorial sort of how that is how that's intimate with ourselves i mean because we, we i mean of course we had a last year with the statue in bristol being torn down uh but then we've also have statues for example of um you know, as I said, memorials or the air, like things like Winston Churchill actual individuals it tells you it, it tells it tells a story it tells a, a point in history a point to our past that is you know, it's it's a um in a way it's honoring it but then it, it has to, it can be very sensitive in a way because uh as for just using uh, off the top of my head um in America uh, it's been going on for the last few years, for example, we've seen a lot of negative views seen towards Confederate generals, um, Confederate generals during the American Civil War, because some people see it as a, a, a negative behaviour of that, that time in history, where basically it was um, segregation, slave labour, a lot of racism. Um, so unfortunately, that was an unfortunate part in American history. On the other hand, um, people who want these things to stay up because uh, um, they were they're normal people. They were people who were defending their own land from an invader. I mean, the, we'll go into the whole history of the Mexican Civil War here because I don't really have the time for it. Um, I, think so. I think you've picked up a, a, a sort of quite quite a large topic there, haven't you? Yeah. But, um, but, but you know, a sort of like a very important point as well. Um, does anybody else want to come in there at, at that point? Robin, what about you? Oh, Molly. Shall I get to Molly first? That's it. Hands up. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I think, you know, it's it's a really interesting point. And I think that's where maybe, you know, we're saying where is the line between artists, you know, art and heritage. And I agree it's, it's a, a, a lovely, blurry one, and as it should be. But um, maybe that's where a creativity can kind of come in. You know, I think artists are really brilliant at sort of um, retaking ownership of previous narratives and um, re kind of constituting them into what, you know, you know, artists are very good at going. This is what it means to us now. This is our this is our current history based on how we feel about it right now. Um, and so it's not to say that the history that's gone before that is irrelevant or, or unimportant. Um, it's just to sort of say that, you know, like, this is our interpretation of, of what it is now. So my response to, you know, the all the statues being pulled down, you know, for, for whatever reason, you know, is that why don't we then replace them with something that is more reflective of how people feel now and get some new artists to make some new statues. And it's not to say that the old ones, you know, um, like shouldn't be recorded or like remembered or anything like that. But, you know, I think there's there's a point where you can kind of come come together and, and acknowledge that those things were there to to document a certain period in time, but actually they're no longer appropriate or they're no longer sort of, sort of reflective of, of what people feel like is their history. Because I think that's also what history is, isn't it? It's about what it is to you. Um, and obviously that's that's very different depending on where you're from, like what your background is, all that stuff. So I think art is a really interesting way of kind of um, exploring that spectrum. That's really good points there, Molly. Um, Graham, do you want to come in there? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, precisely, um, uh, Molly, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, I just want to, to add, add it on to that part. So I think if it's um, truly, in, uh, I mean, uh, another question that's raised here is art and heritage can it remain unbiased? Can it remain 
if an artist an artist paints something or a, a director films something or how something is made, um, must it remain unbiased or will it, it will always see as a from a viewpoint? We'll always have a telling the same story from whatever viewpoint, or will it remain just as it is it remain as a na narrative or as a way of justifying someone's idea or I say just just turn the story about that. I mean, you could have anything from <clears throat> uh, you know, uh, just using an example of during the Great War, we had so many artists, you know, so many poems, so many um, sketches, uh, just in individual people who weren't saying uh, this is this is my story. They were just saying this is what's happening. This is what's happening right in front of me. So uh, we've got a uh, question there. Robin. Yeah, I was just going to kind of follow on from from those points in and almost that um, I think that art is more can, um, can as often tell us as much about the history as um, reading about the history of something itself, whether that's through the medium that's used or or some of the context surrounding it. Um, I think it's really interesting to to look at how that shapes what we learn about history and I think frequently as well not so, not as much now but always is the artists and people that are expressing themselves in those kind of creative outlets are usually telling a story that is that it was more on the fringe as opposed to the main uh, narratives or discussions that were that would have been more populist at the time. Um, those other alternative ideas and forms of expression tend to be represented through um, more creative and fringe groups. So I think that really helps us in heritage as well, because often the stories that are documented, you're never going to be able to document all, all views and opinions, um, and especially ones that are slightly more alternative to what's recognized as the, the regular opinion at the time. So I think that's one reason why it's really, really beneficial. Um, and I just wanted to use this opportunity as well to kind of follow on with some of Vincente's responses to, to the question. Um, so he said that um, arts are more of a creative expression to him. Um, so through things like painting, writing, sculptures, music, drama, dance, and photography. And to him, they communicate more feelings um, as well as stories, um, but that both heritage and arts can, can be emotional and moving, which I think is a really good point about that kind of distinction because history is often facts, whereas the art, you can be much more expressive. Um, and then, um, using that as a tool for education as well, um, which is really important. I think that's um, that, that's really interesting, and um, I really like what um, uh, Vincente said there about also feeling connected to the to the local area. But um, you know where we can sort of focus on, um, I suppose, sort of divisions. The thing about arts and heritage is that it also can be used to um, sort of bring communities together. And there have been some sort of like amazing examples of that. If you think about um, Artichoke and Temple, for example, in Londonderry, where um, that, you know, that, that, that brought both sort of Protestants and Catholics together in this sort of amazing collaboration. So it's also um, about thinking about um, sort of tolerance and understanding and um, meanings. Um, 
Ruth, do you, do you want to come into this conversation here and we hear from yes. you? Yes, <laughs> Robin literally just stole my whole point, but it's what she said was facts, basically. Um, I think arts is a way of expressing yourself. It's a way of saying things in a different way. It's a way of presenting things in a different way. And I think even with COVID, it's such an amazing example to use. You know, on the news, you see just one version of experiences like oh um people are dying from it but we don't get to see the type of different representations with young people how we've been affected with online school you don't get to see that so it's just showing a different perspective that arts can really use you know as an artist you can choose that you want to focus in in a certain area that is not really being represented represented in this so I think yeah arts and um, heritage just work so well because the history just keeps on going and when you see one documentary on a certain things there's so many different factors into different things that you can explore as well um so yeah that's what I have to say about it love that's lovely thanks Ruth I and that sort of brings us on to this um, next question, which is about thinking about the benefits of arts and heritage collaborating and, you know, how, how that sort of tells the stories that that that, that we want to tell. Um, I, I, yeah, there's something there, isn't there, about um, it helps us to appreciate the richness, the richness of the communities and in, in which we live and to tell stories in a different way. And I don't think heritage is always um, sort of like thinking about collections. I mean, I mean, uh, there's lots of other things that are heritage, whether it's industrial heritage, whether it's um, natural heritage. Um, and I think it's about thinking about the, the new connection, the connections that we have and helping us to explore that in some way. Um, so I'm going to come to the artist amongst us for now, which is Molly. <laughs> so would you like to lead with that? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think the important, like for me, the thing with heritage is, um, you know, like there are loads, when lots of people ask me, but what, what is heritage? And I'm like, that's a really tricky question because to me, it's just, it's everything. So it's like who we are, it's it's where you live, it's who lived there before you, it's it's the road, it's the tree, it's the river, it's it's like all of it. So um, I think it's such a rich um, source to mine as an artist and because, um, everybody is always connected to it and I think um, like if we're talking about expression and emotion um, and all of the things that you know art can you know can be great for um, you know those things don't really work if you sort of can't get to the core of people and I think what's really captivating about heritage is you can say to someone oh I'm I'm doing an exhibition or I'm doing a, a, a theatre show do you want to come and see it and they're like mm, it's not really my Thing or I don't really enjoy that but if you like drop back it back to being about like people and like the essence of a person everybody has that in common so I think that's where you get to that like the heart of tolerance and bringing people together and I think that's why um arts and heritage as a pairing is so effective at communities because it really doesn't sort of matter what people's level of interests are what 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 religion they are like what background they come from what their set of beliefs are whether they like hanging out with other people or not it sort of all becomes irrelevant because actually it's you you it's that shared ground that everybody has equal kind of access and ownership over um 
or should, I think. So um, as an artist, that's a really interesting place to start from, because if you build your narratives of her heritage, or you build your ideas of shows of heritage, I think fundamentally, it's going to appeal to a lot of people, you're much more likely to, I think, be successful in accessing communities and audiences, because, you know, there, there's that kind of that that universal um, interest that you're just making work about people. <laughs> and so everyone likes that, right? <laughs> I think so anyway. I like how you boiled it down to the essential then, Molly, which is <laughs> yeah. making work about people. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, could I bring in uh, sort of Robin and uh, Vincente at this point? Because, um, yeah, I think, I think it would be great to hear what, what you two have got to say about that. Yeah, sorry, I don't remember if I said it at the beginning, but um, I've got um, Vincente's asked me to read out some of his answers. So for anyone watching, um, I've got some of Vincente's answers, uh, which is why I'm reading them out. Um, so Vincente's actually got a really interesting point here, as that I think works nicely into it on um, uh, cultural identity and identifying and belonging with a, uh, a particular cultural group. Um, so using that to explain kind of how we live and interact with society, but also how heavily influenced that is by the arts um, and also using that as a as a kind of form of expression and inspiration. So they both feed into each other very much as in um, art and what has been before will very heavily influence uh, history and what uh, things come out of it, such as with um, the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, obviously, statues have been such a heavy focus of that and around the narratives um, that we're now talking about in the heritage sector specifically and what we should be doing moving forward and how we should be talking about representation of different controversial items. Um, so I think there's definitely that kind of, they both influence each other in very different ways. And also that idea around belonging. Um, I mean, everyone wants to feel like they belong somewhere, whether that's to a group or within a family, or that might be a bigger, something bigger like national identity, or that could be something smaller like a community organization. Um, so a really good example um, of a few projects we've worked on with that are things like um, Chai, uh, who are a local organization. They did Spicebox Remedies which was an exhibition at Kingston Museum, uh, looking back at kind of different uh, cultural um, groups and um, kind of traditional cooking or other, other traditional elements and kind of seeing the art in that, whether that's something that you're making like food or clothing, um, all of those things feed into both. Um, and the same with Kim Zhang, uh, which is a project going on at the moment making and celebrating uh, kimchi with kimchi recipes um, so i think they both feed into that idea of um, being an artistic expression of heritage and culture um, that really helps to represent cultural identity and it's it's reflecting the the, the communities that are that are around about that, that we work with graham i think you had your hand up did you i'm sorry if i missed you <laughs> Yeah, so um, so, so I agree with um, uh, Robin or Vicente was saying just there. Um, uh, but I was just basically, basically saying, um, uh, well, the um, art is indeed good at telling, telling us a story. It tells us what happened. It, it makes a community look in at um, 
what's history is or what's tradition what's traditional is what's happened in the past as they tell the story um what's the basic question do you reckon for example that particularly in the media arts um anything from tv film news anything uh, there's a risk of creating misinformation because as you say everyone's telling their own story but then if it's their own story is not the full picture and then sometimes that becomes kind of a major factor i mean you can see it, you can take any any historical film for example any anything from ancient rome uh 1960s 1940s and you could easily say oh well uh polish um cafe charged german tanks in world war ii which they didn't uh, or um looking at how so how medieval Europe was formed. Everyone, everyone, everyone believes that Robin Hood, for example, was in Nottingham, where evidence shows it's completely different. But if you watch a Robin Hood film, uh, you are led to believe you're, you're led to believe um, Richard Richard the Third spoke perfect English. Richard Lionheart speaks perfect English, and you say, "Well, are you sure?" Because he can never understand, or he never even speak English in true life. And I'm saying, it's the it, as a as a piece of art will tell you a story, but it comes to, is the story accurate? I mean, a, a, a story is there to entertain, to tell us something, to, in a sense, provide us a little bit of, whatever it's, a bit of fact, a bit of knowledge. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You're saying that, um, yes, artists perhaps sort of take liberties in terms of the truth sometimes and the, and the stories that they, they tell, but then it's almost, uh, sometimes it's for a different purpose, isn't it? Um, because, um, you know, uh, I suppose the work that the Molly does and the work that Robin does is is about um, you know sort of telling truth. It could be an interpretation, but an art uh, artist telling stories is, is is something different because it doesn't necessarily have to be truthful because it's about entertainment. If you, if you take the sort of film industry, I guess so they are going to sort of take liberties with that. Um, Ruth, you haven't. Um, would you like to sort of comment on this and the idea around? Um, you know the benefits yeah. of arts and heritage, and you know it, because because you are quite new to. I think you're quite new to creative youth, or you. I'm not quite sure when you when you yeah. when you join. Yeah. But um, are there? Have you got any ideas about um, how you would sort of like like to work with a heritage service and a sense of um, you know the sort of projects or ideas that the, that that you think you could um, work on together? Yes, I just want to first um, answer Graham's um, question. Um, with so I'm working alongside World Right, and they're um, a charity, and they're doing documentaries. And um, when it comes to documentaries, we try to research as much as possible um, to make sure what we're putting out is truthful. Um, so we'll look into books, we'll look into um, newspaper articles, although sometimes they cannot be too factual so we have to do extensive research to make sure it is correct um that's it our objective is to um, inform however if i'm doing um, a drama um tell everyone that this is our interpretation this is our drama this is not to be um taken as factual or to use to be used in um research you know so when you see bbc um normally classrooms would tend to use bbc um because they're quite factual they research extensive research and everything so that's why um yeah that's just to answer the question um 
I think Robin brought up a really good point and so did Molly about representation and community and I feel like sometimes um, communities are not properly represented, stereotyped, um, you know, this is a certain stereotype of a person, religion and whatnot and I think that's something that we need to dive into and make sure it's factual because stereotypes can shape a person, it can shape our perspectives of people and I think that is just something that we need to work on together so yeah Robin sorry just want to jump in on the back of what yeah, do. Um, something that I find really interesting that's kind of related to those um, is this idea of accurately representing missing histories um, it gets slightly, slightly easier um, with more modern histories because obviously we document things slightly differently and especially uh, since we have the internet, you're able to get a slightly different picture of, of things. But when you start to go back uh, further than that, um, it's this idea of accurately representing people that would have usually been secret or that wouldn't have been written about as often. So a really good example, especially for um, the heritage service is LGBTQ plus histories. And because very, it was very common that um, those types of communities would often be very, very secretive. And then even if things were kind of um, more, more commonly known, a lot of people would write them up as being something completely different. So we all know how incredibly common it is, especially for women in history, that if they were having relationships with other women, it would just be, well, you know, they were very, very close friends. Um, so trying to pull out the kind of the facts when you don't necessarily have anything to go off, even something biased to go off um, is really hard, but something really important in that idea of artistic and cultural um, and cultural heritage and something that we've been talking about a lot at the moment because um, we've been looking at our collections and going actually we really want to share these stories and especially because it's LGBT uh, plus history month uh, we want to share these stories but we don't have enough documents to know if we're accurately representing what happened because the stories of these groups aren't necessarily from the perspective of the communities. So how, how, how do you um, go about sort of filling in those 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 blanks then with something That's like a million dollar question? <laughs> you know, it's a difficult thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. So at the moment, what we've started to do, this is not the extent of it, but this is the beginning, is uh, we started with a kind of an open call out. We want to know, um, are there photos or stories from your life or someone else in your life? Uh, are, there uh, are there things that document these histories that you know about? Or even if it's just something, uh, if it was your life and it's something that you would like to write about so that we can include that in the collection to start developing this. Um, that's, some, that's kind of the first steps that we've taken with it in order to start to start growing these missing elements. And then what we would like to do um, when possible is in situations like this where we really do not there isn't even a, a good kind of base to build off of I think you need to be prepared to kind of put money into it 
do a, uh, like a research project. Um, so that's the kind of thing we're looking at next steps is, um, are there going to be opportunities to maybe collaborate with someone like Kingston University or, or maybe other groups, uh, possibly off of the back of a funding bid um, to properly go away and that be someone's job to do these, this research. Um, so those are kind of the steps that we're talking about at the moment. I suppose with something like that also, um, you know, there's an element of trust, isn't there? You know, if you're if you're talking about sort of communities that have previously been secretive or, or persecuted. So, you know, you, you have to sort of like build bridges with with those communities in order to, to, to get to that position. Um, there's no quick fix. <laughs> no, no quick fix. Not well, just to sort of add to that, that's where I think like um, artistry and creativity can be really useful because, um, you know, like if if um, you've got a story, a person's story, whether it's theirs or someone someone close to them, but they don't they don't want to be closely associated with it for whatever reason. I think you can use the art to build up the trust by representing their narrative. And I think a key point here is like the, the nothing about us without us phrase. Like, you know, I hate that phrase, but I'm struggling to find a better one. So if anyone knows one, let me know. Um, you know, that that actually as long as there's involvement from the communities that you're representing and that that there is some level of accuracy, even if it then is, you know, as long as it's clearly communicated if you veer away from that or that that person or that community representing, if they're happy with it and they feel like that's an accurate representation of what what they do and are, then then I think that's um, that's really important for the artist to remember that, you know, it's um, that's doing working in that way is not the same as just going, oh, this is an exciting narrative to tell. I'm just going to go and tell it and uh, kind of having no understanding of the context around it I think for me that's that's not the that's not the right way that's not the most respectful way of doing it um but yeah in terms of people that want to kind of keep um or are maybe nervous about sharing things I think creativity can be a really good way both for them to um kind of like explore it and explain it to you with you as the mm -hmm. artist but as another way for them to express it to the wider kind of population public community whoever they want to share it with there's an element of just having to accept and letting go as well, because even though you as an organisation may have an idea of the story that you want to tell or the story that you think needs to be told, that isn't necessarily actually the story that needs to be told. So kind of accepting that when you go down these routes, that it might be a slightly different outcome to how you planned, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't achieved the right goals. Graham, would you like to come in at this point? Oh, thank you. Oh, uh, yeah, just um, kind of stunned there by Bob and me. Um, uh, it was just, it was just basically um, and how you how you display how you put together a project for of something of, of that subject. It's been how do you how, how would you would you rather do it as a um, it's more about who your audience is because you know, if if you're putting it towards someone who's never never experienced or never come to context with this before. Or someone who knows what they come in and see. I mean, how detailed do you go into? How much detail do you go into it? I mean, um, coming from a for, coming from a heritage historian point, um, do you do a quick su summary uh, of the facts or story behind this project, or would you go for okay? For more information, look here because I mean, there's there's so much you could say. In one area, you get a, a single subject can have like you know, entire books written on it, or volumes, uh, so much research, or the facts behind it. 
Um, but then again, if it's a, a piece of if it's a piece of like this, it's there to give a, a quick sight. You can't stare at a, well, maybe it's a piece of paper for longer for a long duration and get so many different viewpoints from it. Uh, but then to it. I mean, again, using use an example from the centenary of the First World War, uh, was asked, "Can you give us um, a, a, a quick?" 20 minute summary on the Irish in the First World War. Where it's like, okay, look, I can't really give that all in about 20 minutes. I need a, a lot more, you know, how, how long do you got in this documentary? But um, just using it, using it as, exa as an example when it comes to when you present something that's uh, of art and heritage, how far do you go? How to scale do you go? Because again, well, again, like this, you, you, can, you can't you have infinite time or infinite space to cover everything. So would you cover like put in sections or the major points or just do a brief summary of everything that's involved. Well, I think that's the art of um, sort of research and, and curation, isn't it, really? And, um, you know, I suppose we sort of slightly touched on, um, you, you know, sort of part participation because sort of participation and having people that you're working alongside and the, commu and the community being part and having ownership over that, really that's 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 the point of that because then it it helps to guide you and um you know you're getting their sort of you're getting their sort of perspective so um it's not like you're doing to somebody it's that this is what we talk about when we talk about participation and collaboration and understanding that's it's sort of like i think what you're talking about is is is, is the pro is the process rather than sort of like focusing on the end the end um sort of products it's like what is the process in working with the, the community and sort of bringing them along in the project, which is what I think um, sort of Robin was um, touching on. Sorry, Ruth, can I come to you? Um, I'm sure you want to um, jump in at this point. I think um, when it's such a broad subject, I think it's really good to focus on certain points. And it's about your objective. What do you want the audience to get from this? If you're really trying to inform about a certain thing and to say oh no let's not have history repeat itself then you would focus on one certain um subject about it and then maybe in another documentary or another time you do it about another thing but um i think it's just about really getting everyone educated about a lot of things that has not been covered and i think um especially for history in in school i studied history but I haven't learned about a lot of things that people have brought up and I'm like whoa now I have to do my own research so I think even in schools I think that's a big thing as well um I think when the Black Lives Matter movement was happening a lot of people were saying that um we weren't getting educated a lot on what was happening at the time and I think there was such a big gap because when that movement happened I was learning so much from social media I was getting taught way more than they taught me at school and that was very that was very sad because I wasn't learning about my culture what was happening um to um people like me so I think um yeah school I think working with schools as well arts and schools and heritage I think that's a big thing and a big subject that we need to touch on as well I think you've just touched on um, a previous creative youth um, webinar. So if anybody's in inter interested in what um, you, Ruth has been talking about, please, please um, have, a, have a look at that. So um, finally, if we sort of move to, um, you know, what, what 
how we incorporate this into um, sort of what we're working on and, and are there any sort of projects that you're working on at the moment um, that sort of bring arts and heritage together or this um, idea of um, sort of interpreting history? Um, I think I might come to Molly there actually because I, I, I know that you are working on something so and also um, Molly you've worked on um, projects in the past like records people music which is all about the history of um, Kingston, Kingston's music scene I know there are sort of fantastic projects that have gone on in Kingston such as the um, sort of Korean festival and the Kim, Kim Jang and kimchi making which we talked about before but also um, Global Feasts was also um, a great project which looked at the um, you know, the um, history of uh, cuisine and sort of uh, migration and what people bring with them when they come to, um, you know, a, a, a new country and why that heritage is so important and, and speaks to them and how we can share that. So, Molly, can I come to you on that, please? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I guess like all of those things you've listed, I guess, are the, are the types of heritage projects that I'm really passionate about, which is the kind of the intangible heritage. Um, so it's not it's not artefacts or things really that you can sort of put on display in a traditional sense. But um, it's about kind of contemporizing how we capture um, heritage and then interpret it through creative means in order for people to access it in, I guess, um, yeah, a more kind maybe a slightly more interesting way or more diverse way because like we were saying before of course there's a set of people that loves going to museums and looking at things in boxes I am one of them um, but there's also another whole like generation who you know don't want to do that or that's not sort of what interests them so I think you know where the kind of yeah music heritage is really interesting is that so much of that heritage is completely ephemeral and you know so we focused a lot on oral histories um, and recordings and um, photographs and kind of I guess much more like popular more recognizable media um, and we're trying to sort of house that in a way that's still really accessible in that form now. Um, and I think, again, if we're, we're talking about heritage, like bringing people together and kind of making it about something um, other than our differences. Um, you know, music is a really interesting one to bring people together um, because it also, you know, relates to cultural backgrounds and, um, you know, the diversity of the area you're in as much as it does about the kind of the interesting you know the things that bring people together if they like the same type of music for example um so yeah i think you know there's there's loads to be to be done there and i um we found with kingston rpm it was so popular um we're now sort of thinking about a follow-on project from that which is called amp kingston um which will focus on art music and pop fashion um and this time it's going to be sort of solely aimed at engaging younger audiences because we found with um rpm the engagement was fabulous but actually young people were much less likely to engage with it uh, than than slightly um older um adults so um this one will be really like led by young people so pretty much everything about it will be sort of designed by them including the responses including the interpretations including the research so um yeah i think um you know looking at things that maybe are recorded in a very different way um can also help to kind of break you know we're talking about stereotypes um Ruth you know like can break the stereotype of what heritage heritage and history is and I think that's really important in terms of like kind of safeguarding it for the future as well you know actually if the next generation down don't 
kind of engage with heritage it will get lost because there'll be no one to protect it or no one to keep kind of passing it forward so um i think yeah creativity and and art is a really is a nice way of kind of um, addressing that so yeah that those that's the area I'm, I'm always looking looking for stuff in and always kind of interested in pushing forward i'm going to come to robin and vincente i don't know if you want to um come in on that together so um i um have got some so um stuff we're working on at the moment that he's quite new to the role so not a hundred percent there yet on um, upcoming stuff but um i do know that the young people's collective have been working on a few other projects um so i will leave graham to talk about those such as the podcast and things um from the heritage service more generally um, we have the COVID collection, uh, which is ongoing at the moment. So that's obviously we're going through a, a kind of pretty unprecedented time at the moment. And um, the types of experiences and um, things that are happening at the moment can very, very quickly be lost. And I'm sure lots of people will be looking for some of them to go away as soon as possible. So uh, we're really trying to build up a collection of that. Um, both in kind of photos, images, stories that people have, um, as well as kind of business records, all of those kinds of things we're accepting uh, at Kingston History Centre. Um, and then there is also, sorry, I've made some notes because we've got quite a lot going on actually. Um, there's Capture Kingston, um, which has happened. We've closed that, that we are looking to release the results of in the spring. And that was a photography competition. So that was based, um, that was done in collaboration with the Friends of Kingston uh, Museum and Heritage Service, as well as the Rose Theatre. So there are lots and lots of photos there about life during lockdown. Um, and then we will be doing the exhibition of those photos, hopefully online in the spring. And um, also, I mean, kind of past projects that have been going on that demonstrate these kinds of thing, things that we've been talking about really well are um, some of the work we did around um, Year of My Bridge. Um, obviously, his relationship between kind of art and heritage is a really interesting one, looking at both his, his innovations in photography, both with the photography itself and kind of the outputs. Um, so that's a really good example. Um, and then next year, sorry, we've got so much going on. <laughs> um, next year, we are going to be doing a co-curated project. Um, we've had to move the dates around quite a lot, um, but we'll be launching that next year, kind of looking to work with people in the borough um, to help them build their own exhibition um, at the museum. So definitely look out on our website for more details about that. And we're also working on a project at the moment um, based around um, people's ideas of heritage. So we're building an online map that we then want people to plot bits of their heritage, basically. So whether that's an item, an object, a person, it could be an event that happened, anything. Uh, we want people to go online and plot them to help build up a kind of a, a, a different side of, of history and then hopefully build up kind of a, a top 100 objects that we can uh, look at and say these are the things that represent the borough these are the people that the borough feel represent them so that's me over now 
That's brilliant. Thanks, Robin. It's just extraordinary, isn't it? There's so many sort of fantastic projects that are going to be sort of taking place in the future. So I would encourage everybody to um, sort of find out about those. Um, so um, I'll come to you now, Ruth, if you'd um, just like to, um, you know, talk a bit about your view on this. Um, I just think that everyone just touched on such amazing stories I think is such a big thing and that we all have our personal what our lockdown experiences were so um, I'm working with um, World Right and they're doing a documentary on young people and how our experiences in lockdown has just been pushed aside and I think um, like Robin was saying just hearing those different stories and just putting them all together is just such an amazing thing because um, media's not really been covering it and I think there's been so many different instances with different households you know some people can't afford certain things and it's been really hard and you know having to ask the school for computers and you know that whole thing and it's just you know it's been neglected by the government so I think that's just such a a big thing to touch on and that you know we have voices and we need to share our personal experience so yeah that's one way and it's it's really great to know that those personal experiences are going to be are going to be captured and um that'll give an extraordinary sort of perspective of of this period that we're we're in now everybody talks about it being unprecedented but you know we 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 forget that we're sort of like living through we're living through history and people in the future are going to be looking back thinking you know what was that time like and you know what did people experience so it's just extraordinary to think of that um graham can i come to you now please yeah, I mean, um, as you say, uh, the Young Persons Board have heard, well, as uh, recently have created a podcast which sort of touches on this area, for example. So um, generally, basically something that looks upon local landmarks in Kingston, for example, uh, and then looks at the how they, you know, what's the story behind them. So we've looked at things from the build buildings, we've looked at things for... Uh, uh, for example, the coronation stone, a stone that's been moved all over Kingston uh, through the centuries. Um, and this has been used to actually coronation a few kings of Saxon England and well, main England uh, itself. Um, and again, this is a, something of a variety, used variety. So we've had looking at um, current and photographs from the archives, black and white colored, very magical. Uh, as well as um, getting people involved, you know, the, the, the writing aspect, people who actually researched the history of these objects, of these locations, uh, what happened to the original locations, why were they moved, where is it now? Uh, we've got, um, and it's, as you say, it's, it's something that everyone will take an interest in. For example, we've done the, uh, for those of you who know Kings upon Thames, uh, we have some, or for those you don't know it, we have some very lovely phone boxes that are out of order. Um, and as part, as, a, as a lovely bit of artwork, they've been, uh, well, they've given the, been given the domino effect and we have a beautiful uh, two and a half minutes uh, narration of why this is here, the story behind the artist, what's he trying to say. And again, it's something you see every day and someone can easily look at this piece and then they can, they can watch or listen to this podcast um or alternatively they can um because we cut we cut we, we, in previous projects we've done tours around kingston Pontems, uh which has worked reasonably well and 
but you can't do it in mass moment, unfortunately, due to the current situation. But then what's to stop you from listening to this and going around Kingston yourself or with modern technology or just looking at it from your current home or... That's that's brilliant. So it's a bit like you could you could do your very own sort of walking trail, couldn't you? And um, so um, where would people find that podcast, Graham? Would that be on the um, Kingston Heritage be, Service or website? Uh, that would be on the Kingston. Well, it's definitely on the Kingston Heritage Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, it is also with the there's also a Kingston Heritage YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, I, I want to say it's on the, web, on the website, but I'm not too certain about that yet. Because... Okay, so up on the website as of last week, they can find it on uh, kingstonheritage.org.uk and then search for the podcast. And it's also on the Kingston Council YouTube channel if you want to get all the episodes in one place. Yeah. And uh, I think the main thing that is quite interesting about this, I mean, even though it's it's done for Kingston, um, people around Kingston, um, but we have people accessing it from all over, the country, all over the world. So we have people from China accessing, watching it. We have people from the United States of America from across the pond watching it. Uh, I think we even has uh, one from down under, from Australia of all places. Uh, um, oh, well, so you have to remember that people have roots, so they've moved all over the world. So, you know, that's what, that's what that's the wonders of the digital experience, isn't it? Sort of connecting audiences all over the world. Thanks, everyone. I think actually we're almost out of time now. So um, thanks, everybody, for um, sort of taking part. It was just really interesting discussion. And I think what's going to be great is to um, see how these sort of like projects and ideas um, sort of develop. And, um, and also to see how the, um, the ideas from the two um, youth panels develop as well. So um, great to speak to you all and thanks for participating. And I'll hand back now to Tom. Brilliant, thank you so much, Catherine. And thank you to all our panelists. That was, um, that was a really interesting discussion. And it, I think it proves that, you know, heritage and the arts can go hand in hand. And there's, and there's clearly that there's a lot of projects already happened and already happening now. Um, and it's and it's fantastic and, and it really, um, it's honestly, it's, it's amazing. And we've submitted to the COVID collection ourselves. We've submitted some, of, uh, obviously we ran our festival uh, last year during COVID. So um, we've submitted to that as well and submitted some clips from that, which is amazing as well. Um, if you, you know, if you have um, enjoyed the, the webinar tonight, please um, submit some feedback forms. We'll email those out to you. Um, and I think they'll be put in the chat as well, which is amazing. Um, we've also got our next webinar, which will be on the 22nd of March, um, which is actually about um, how local communities need to sort of um, help teach the arts, I guess, because um, the government have made lots of cuts in terms of um, in terms of to education and the drama so that a lot of schools now don't offer drama as a, as a GCSE um BTEC um performing arts has now been cut from the college curriculum um or it's threatened to be as well so it's how can local communities and local theatres um sort of help educate the next generation if they can't get it for free at an education level I guess so that's what the next webinar will be divulging in which I'm quite excited about um uh, we've also got our um dance-a-thon and dance on Sunday which is a fundraiser for creative you so we can carry on doing webinars like this um so we can carry on doing lots of our you know creative talent program work as well um so that's a big fundraising event for that um so we've got lots of different 
dance workshops going on. We've got something for the kids. Um, so if you are bored next Sunday, please come down um, and take part in that as well. It's um, threatens to be a good time, which is really cool. But apart from that, thank you all so much for joining us tonight. Um, go catch up on Boris's speech, because I know we overran into that, so go and have a look on that as well. Um, but apart from that, thank you so much. Thank you to all our panellists. Uh, thank you to Catherine for hosting, and thank you for you guys for tuning in, um, and hopefully we'll see you soon. Thank you very much.